Hey guys, this is Pastor Philip Slaughter. Each week we record our, our sermon here at First Baptist Church in Mansfield, Arkansas. But the last couple of weeks we neglected to record that sermon, and so I wanted to go ahead and give a brief synopsis uh, for this past week. Uh, two weeks ago I did the same thing, and that is online already. Uh, but this week we are covering 1 John chapter 2, verses 7-14. through 14. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to say thank you to everyone who goes online and listens to these sermons. We have roughly 75 to 100 people each week who listen to the sermons online. And so I just want to say thank you, and we would love to hear from you. If you want to uh, send us an email, uh, you can do that. You can go to our website at mansfieldfbc.com and find our contact information there. And so we would love to hear from you guys, love to hear what you think about the sermons and how they've been of help to you. Uh, so please feel free to contact us. We would love for, to hear from you. Uh, with that said, let's go ahead and get to our scripture. 1 John chapter 2, verse 7. The very first word is beloved. Beloved, John is, is telling the people that they are loved by God. They are loved by Him. And he is letting them know this, uh, his affection for them with this word of intimacy, beloved. I'm writing to you. So we see again, a, another reason why we consider this a letter is that John is telling them that he is writing to them. So he's writing to a specific audience, these people who are beloved. And so we see that verse 7, beloved, I'm writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. And so he's going to use a little twist on words here. First, he tells us that this is no new commandment, that this is something that has existed for a long time. And the commandment that he is telling them, that he has been telling them, is that they should love God and love each other. And we see that uh, throughout the, uh, up to this point, the, throughout the letter, we saw it. It, the reason why he was writing the letter, so that we could have better fellowship with God, better fellowship with one another, that our joy may be complete. All things found in the first four verses of First John chapter 1. And he is telling them that I am writing to you uh, no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. In the Old Testament, we see this. In the Old Testament, we see that we are to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. In the Old Testament, we're told to love our neighbors. If we were to look at the Ten Commandments, um, they all have to do with us loving God and loving others. And so this is no new commandment. However, we continue reading, the Old Commandment is the word that you ha have heard. Verse 8, so they've heard it, but they haven't seen it practiced perfectly until recently. If it says in verse 8, at the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you. So it's an old one. They've heard it from the beginning, but he's writing them a new commandment because it's new in practice, maybe not in philosophy or truth. They, they were to love God and love others from the beginning, but it's just recently that Jesus has come. It's just recently that, that this was manifested among them, that they saw it in action, that they saw Jesus loving God with all of his heart and loving others the same. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you. So not only was it true in Jesus, but now it is true in us that we can love God, that we can love others, that this this commandment was not only told to us from a time long ago, but now they have seen it in action and can, can t continue to see it into action even though Jesus has ascended into heaven, and that is through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. 
So rereading verse 8, at the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. And so what was the, the, the effects of sin, the power of sin, the hold that sin has on this world? Um, it, it's not complete yet. It's not over and done. However, Jesus's life and his death and his resurrection, his ascension, we have seen the victory that Jesus has over death. And so in a sense, it is over. Even though we, we don't recognize it yet, it is over. The darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Restoration will come. So verse 9 says, Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. And so even though there's this true light that is through Christ that lives in us, we cannot say that we live in the light, that we have a relationship with God, that we have right fellowship with Him. We cannot say these things and hate our brother. Anyone who says that he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness, according to verse 9. Then in verse 10 it says, Whoever loves his brother abides in the light. And in him, there is no cause for stumbling. So there's a few things going on here in verses 9 and 10. First, we can't be someone who says that we love God and then hate our brothers. It's just those two things don't connect. They, they don't go together. If we love God, we will love others. And in 1 Corinthians 13, we, we see what love is. It tells us that love is patient and kind in, in verses Four through eight, we get this def these definitions, these characteristics of love. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It, it keeps telling us what love is and what love is not. Love is active. Love is proven by actions. And if we can't say we love God and hate our brother because God has told us, he's commanded us to love our brothers. And he said that if his love dwells in us, then we will love our brothers. So what is this saying? What is this not saying? It is saying that if we love God, we should love our brothers. This is not saying that if you fail to love your brothers perfectly, if we fail to love other human beings perfectly, then we don't belong to God. That's not what this is saying. Um, there are many times in, in this letter where John tells us the right way of action, the, the, the preferred method of action by God, what is obedience. And he tells us that if we love him, then we're going to do these things. But he also acknowledges, uh, uh, time and time again, he acknowledges that we're not going to be perfect, that we are going to sin. He even tells us that we need to confess our sins. And we, he wouldn't have said these things he wouldn't have told us to confess our sins if we didn't have sin in the first place. And, and not only that, but he says anyone who, who says they haven't sinned, in verse 10 of chapter 1, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So we have to realize that we are sinners. We're not going to love our brothers perfectly. Yet he's telling us that if we don't love our brothers, uh, then, then we're not of God. And so how are we to take that? Well, here's how we take it, is we strive to love our brothers. And we do this because we love God and he has called us to love others. We do this because the Holy Spirit dwells in us and the Holy Spirit will urge us, convict us to love our brothers. But when we fail at loving our brothers, which we will, 
then we confess those sins and we ask for forgiveness. And when we realize that we have something that is not love, that maybe it's as strong as hatred, that is in our hearts for our brothers, then we confess those sins and we repent. And so in verse 9, he says, Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. There needs to be conviction. If there's any negative feelings toward our brothers, we need to realize that those are not from God. And we need to realize, um, verse 10, whoever loves his brother abides in the light. And and in him there is no cause for stumbling. So there's a couple of things going on here. If you don't love your brother, you don't abide in the light. If you do love your brother, you do abide in the light. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light. And in him there is no cause for stumbling. What this tells us is that those who are living for God, who are doing what they're supposed to do, who are loving others the way they're supposed to love others, that their life is not going to be a stumbling block for other people. We know that that when other people see us and they see the love we have for God and we see the love that we have for others, if we're living in obedience, then that's going to encourage others to do the same. That's not going to cause people to fall away from God because we're loving Him or loving others. It's going to draw them closer to Him or convict them that they're not close to Him. Uh, or if this means that it, because it could be taken a different way, whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him, and in him being in the person who loves his brother, uh, there is no cause for stumbling. Then the person who is loving their brother is living right and they're not living in sin and it's not going to be a cause for them to stumble. And so either way, we see that we should be loving our brother. So let me summarize some things up through verse 10. Um, first of all, we need to realize that this commandment has been around for a long time, that we are to love God and love others, and this is no new commandment, uh, but it is new in Christ, that we have been told what to do. Even in the Old Testament, they were told what to do, but until Christ lived it out, it had not been seen how to love God and how to love others the right way, perfectly. And and so we as Christians have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, and so we emulate what Jesus did. We emulate in, in how he lived his life. We love God and we love others. And, and this in itself was new at the time that John was writing this. And so we need to realize that it is still our job to love God and love others and to walk in light, to walk like him. And when we do that, we're not causing others to stumble and we're living right. We're not stumbling. And so with that said, let's go to verse 11. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So here's a scary part about people who do not love their brothers, people who are walking in darkness, is a lot of times we don't know when we're the ones doing that. We're blinded by whether it's our hatred or just disdain or our judgmental thoughts of the uh, the people around us. We excuse our thoughts and our behavior, and we're blinded to the fact that we're walking in darkness, that what we're doing is not right. And so that's why we need friends and loved ones to point out to us when we are gossiping. That's why we need friends and loved ones to show us, hey, listen to what's coming out of your mouth. What, what, what you're expressing is not love for your brother or sister. It's, it's hatred. And so 
We need to be careful because when we're walking in darkness, it's hard to know that we're walking in darkness. Let's evaluate our our feelings. And I know feelings can be deceptive, but if if you love someone, there should be these feelings that overflow out of your soul, out of your spirit into actions. And it should it should cause you the love that you feel internally should spur you to outward actions. And if we think about 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient. Love is kind. It is active. It's it's proved by our actions. And so if, if we have love in us, then it overflows out. But in the same way, if we have hatred in us, if we have bitterness in us, if we have these negative things in us, toward our brothers, then in the same way, these things overflow out of us into actions, and we can't avoid it. We talk about people. We gossip about people. We have these strong emotions toward them, and and they work their way out from just feelings into actions, and sometimes maybe we can't see those actions, but if we have good friends, the people around us, they can see them, and they will let us know. Going into verse 12, he, he, he begins to, to write these things that if you have your Bible, I encourage you to look at it. Um, most translations keep it in, in a poetic form. And so let's look at what he's saying here. I'm writing to you. So again, he's writing. Uh, this is part of a letter. Little children. He's going to call them this term of affection. Remember, John is older when he writes this. And he views these people as his spiritual children. He has poured his life into them. He has invested in them. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. So he believes, John believes that the people to whom he is writing, that they are Christians and that they are walking in light, but that that it is possible for people who are Christians to fall into sin and to hate their brothers. And we have to realize that we're not living for him and that we need to repent. And if we don't, if we're not repenting and we don't have a desire to get right with God and get right with our brothers, then maybe we're not really Christians. But he's saying, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Let's praise God that our sins are forgiven and let's forgive others the same way. He's forgiven us. Let's forgive others. Think of the the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Verse 13, I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. He's encouraging them. Look, you have been forgiven. You know him who is from the beginning. You have overcome the evil one. You know the Father. I write to you, fathers, verse 14, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. If we are saved, if we are Christians, if we have overcome the evil one, if if we have been born again, he's writing to us, us little children. He's writing to us fathers or, or mothers. This is just inclusive, an inclusive term to say all the followers of, of Christ, all the mature people, all the young people in him, that we can rejoice and we can take stock in the fact that we are his. And so consider this as you are um studying this passage as we are wrapping up here, consider the fact that we are His and that because we are His, we should live in His light 
And if we are living in the light, then we are going to love our brothers. And if you have a problem with bitterness, if you have a problem with hating your brothers, then you need to ask yourself, am I in him? Have I been forgiven? Do I have a relationship with him? And the answer, if the answer is yes, then we, we have surrendered our right to hold grudges. We have surrendered our right to hate our brothers. And we have to embrace love. We have to embrace Christ. We have to embrace forgiveness. We have to embrace right fellowship with God and with others. And remember, this is why John is writing this letter in the first place. So we can have better fellowship with God. So we can have better fellowship with our brothers. And so that our joy may be complete, as he says in chapter 1, verse 4.